This is a Gao Media property in partnership with Jacob Media. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You've got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network. A show where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. The NFL and college football, mind you, dominates a weekend that was just on overload. Once again, it's going to be a shame when the NBA, which is now down to their two teams, the Stanley Cup final, which to my knowledge is still going on. You can actually bet on a hockey game for one more time tonight. And on top of that, you'll have slowly creeping in people paying attention to that fourth or fifth sport, whatever it may be. If it's Major League Baseball, if it's English Premier League, whatever it is where people will start to pay attention to some other things. But it is amazing. The world just stopped on Saturday even In an area where I am, and I constantly talk about it for reference and framework of where my mind is, but I thought to myself that this would be a Saturday that would not be looked upon or anticipated in the Northeast, for example, as this humongous return of football. And man, was I wrong. And look, I don't have any numbers or anything like that in front of me. I just go by the day-to-day. I go by people I talk to. I go by people I interact with. And it might not be as many face-to-face as it used to be, but there are still a ton of ways in which I can connect with people locally here about sports topics. And it's not all about, oh, the Philadelphia Eagles play the Bengals. I couldn't believe it as you started to see the spillover because you know that in Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, you know Georgia that those states are going to be bubbling over with energy and excitement to the point in which college football really felt like it was back. That really was the biggest Saturday. College football really felt for the first time like it was back. And then yesterday was capped off by a ridiculous performance by Aaron Rodgers, who's just trying to outdo Russell Wilson every single time out there. It's amazing. Sports Map Radio Network, we wear Boomer Naturals masks. Order now at BoomerNaturals.com. Use promo code SportsMapRadio for 20% off. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on the Sports Map Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Well, we had a ton of things go on. We'll have to circle back at some point this hour to Saturday. And I guess we'll try and squeeze it. Like, here's the problem that I have. And I'm just going to completely derail for just a minute here and indulge me. And Ron Culver's in the house. So I need to ask you normally. Are you blaming this on me? No, no, no. I'm not blaming this on you. But you do share. You I mean, do you can share you can, responsibility. I'm just, you can blame things on me if you want to. I know I can. Trust me. And usually I do. Yeah, I might edit it. 
after the show. Med edit it out, but you can go ahead and blame me during the show live. Make sure you listen live. That's why. That's exactly right. And the stream as well. We're, we're live right now. Twitch.tv slash Shander Show. At Shander Show. At Ron Culver. Two ends. So I have a dilemma right now. And you are heavily involved in this program. For better or worse. Worse. Okay, go ahead. So it, I look at what we have today. We only have... Realistically, we have eight segments. Right. And four of those segments are usually shorter segments, you know, about six, seven minutes or so at most. Fake news is one of them, so that's out. John McMullen is another one, that's out. Now we have six segments. One for the road, that's out. So now we have five segments. Five segments. Now, I have the NFL, which should take at least two segments. That's down to three. I have college football, which should take one segment. That's down to two. And we should mention that there's an NBA Finals going on. Now we're down to one. It doesn't leave any time to talk about anything else outside of sports or even in general outside of just the top. Like, I feel like we're either going to be a jukebox on Monday or we are going to break entirely from the norm. And I don't know if that's a good idea at all. I'm surprised that you're actually squeezing in on a football Monday that you're squeezing in NBA talk or college football talk. Well, it's the finals, and the SEC just came back. I know, but, I mean, that's what tomorrow is for. Really? Should we just dump everything on Tuesday? There's so much football that happened over the weekend. And not even mention college on Monday? I mean, mean, look, we can probably get a couple of minutes from Alan Commandant Lazard, I'm sure. Yeah, you don't get that, do you? Do you not get that reference? How he's not named Commandant is beyond me. Do you not get that reference? I, I've said that upon deaf ears before, and I'm not sure if that's your ears or not. I can't remember. Sorry, I was uh, I had to answer a phone, wrong number again. Oh, I love guy, that. The guy just answered the phone and goes, <laughs> Dave. I'm like, excuse me? Well, you know, it could very well be. No, I answer the Dave's phone. Dave's not here, man. I mean, it could be one of those I, I was hoping so, but I answer <laughs> the phone, Sports Map Radio. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, now, I should I should have responded, Dave's not here. Yeah, Arr, exactly. Man. Man, come on, where are you on this? God, I missed a golden opportunity. Call back. If you, right. if you were the person who called, just call back. I just want to make sure we're clear here. Before we Who's move Dave, forward, man? we're not going to talk about anything other than the NFL today. And Monday's moving forward. I mean, honestly, okay, you know, just to give you the quick rundown of rundowns, I mean, the the entire hour, first hour of uh, Tony and I, we talked NFL. Fair, fair. Entire first hour of of Jake was talking NFL. So, I mean, you know, basketball, they don't play again until Wednesday. I'm not going to talk about the NBA Finals now. We can't. We can just mention who's in it. Okay, that's fair. And we can mention that your parlay bet almost paid off. It did, except for hockey. Yeah, I, Hockey's that was the one that killed me. That wasn't the one that I was worried about, though. I was more worried about, I thought for sure the Lakers would drop one. Nope. Because, you Lakers know, they, are motivated, they don't play, man. they don't, you know, they wouldn't have played again until later on. So I right, see, now you're, you're breaking your own rule. We're talking I know. about the Lakers. I was talking about your parlay bet that you made last Friday. Well, speaking of which, the big bust for me over the weekend was all your money in on the Falcons? No, actually, all my money in on the Eagles. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Now, here's what I did. I played the Eagles in four different money line parlays. And what I did is I matched up teams that 
needed to win that were going to win. Like, there was no way at all on any planet that the Colts were going to lose to the Jets. The Browns were going to lose to Washington. So that was a well, heavy. I don't know about that. I no, I'm think telling I you that one. I had no. I had a doubt they would cover the seven points, but not that they would lose the game. So that was one of them, where you just tag on three teams and the, the Wait, Eagles. You thought, you thought for sure the Browns were going to lose to that no, Washington football team? Win, win, win. Oh, win. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Okay. No, th- that was my three. Remember, we coined a phrase on Friday. The three-way safe play parlay of the weekend. Yeah. And that was Indianapolis, Philadelphia, Cleveland. Of all teams, it was Philadelphia who couldn't squeeze this out because the head coach decides, well, it wasn't just him. The quarterback was atrocious. But they punted the ball on... Fourth and three. Yes. No, this is, I mean, that, that fourth and three, this was the argument Tony and I made. In that situation, I think... As an NFL head coach, you got to know who you're playing against. And right. in that moment, first of all, I think you should have just gone for the field goal. Why not? Just try it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's 63 you yards. Go for it. You either go for the field goal or you go for a first down slash penalty. Right. Like, there's how is punting in your vocabulary? Because here's, here's, what, here's what I was getting to is that you got to know your opponent. Joe Burrow isn't leading a team down the field in 19 seconds with no timeouts. No. I'm sorry. Uh, not even against the Eagles defense, which is one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, probably. Drew Brees, even though Drew Brees looks like a shell of a former self. Yeah, but, you know, maybe. I mean, you talk about some of these elite quarterbacks. Sure, they can do it. Joe Burrow, I mean, he's not leading this team down the field in 19 seconds. No, and I think despite the success that he had, it took time. All of those drives took – there weren't many big plays that broke for 40 or 50 yards. And I, I just I, – I don't know how at that point when you're on the other end of it. And, again, you have to – 19 seconds with no timeouts. They didn't have a timeout. Yeah. I don't know how you don't have any confidence at all. In, and Like Doug Peterson – had no confidence in anybody. Nobody. He didn't have any confidence in the quarterback. He didn't have any confidence in the kicker. He didn't have any confidence in the defense. Nothing. He just said, that's it. I'm done. I'm gone. And people were like, yo, dude, there's like 12 seconds left. What are you doing? And he's like, nope, that's it. Sorry. I just, I, I want to go home. I've had enough today. I just, I would like to go home. I would like to end this experiment. And meanwhile, you have everybody looking around thinking, and to your point about a 62-yarder, yeah, it's a 62-yarder. Why not? Exactly why not. And I don't know about you, but we saw a couple of really big kicks yesterday. One from the Cowboys that was at least like 54 or something like that. We saw a bunch of kicks because I was watching the Red Zone before it was on at 4 o'clock here on the network. And honestly... Ron, I saw kicks that were going from like 54, 55 yards that were clearing, right? Easily clearing. Remember the stigma was, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, a 50-yarder, that's almost impossible. Now we're getting to that point. I mean, there's a reason why we moved the extra point back to 35 yards. And it's because these kickers are getting stronger. The legs are getting stronger. Every single time you see them on a kickoff, they're kicking from their 35-yard line, right? Yeah. And. Yes, they have a 10-yard run-up, but the fact is is that they're drilling it through the uprights. 
Now, when you do a field goal, you're about half the distance of a run-up, so you don't really have much of a run-up. But this is what they practice over and over and over again. And it's just, you know, blasting the ball. 63-yarder would have gone in. I don't know. I mean, that, I mean, the chance of it going in probably slim to none. He probably would have shanked it really bad. But at least it would have been, you know, some cojones behind it saying, I'm going for the win. And this is a guy who was basically jettisoned into this big cojones thing. Yeah. Where Doug was going for it on fourth. I think like Belichick might have been the only guy going for it more. But even still, Doug was like top two or top three yeah. and in they, the NFL. He, and, and listen, he bested Belichick. Well, yeah. So, it, I mean, it, you got that going for you, too. That's why I'm just curious, like, a Philly fan, you and you, Nate's on, you're representing all of Philly fan today. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, we it's, do have it's to a stream tough, up. It's a tough one, but you're, you're representing all of Philly fan. How would you feel if Doug Peterson went for the field goal, went for it on fourth, and didn't convert? I Okay, I, I would say this. Realistically speaking, I think what that does, and it's not an easy answer, but that was the big, like, think about it. Outside of a penalty yesterday, and I know that Rams fans are really upset about that penalty that happened against the Bills, although the Bills pulled out. And ama- you talk about somebody who can march down the field, game-winning drive. Josh Allen has been beyond impressive this year. But outside of – I'm just trying to think real quick because this will put into context your the answer to your question, Ron. But outside of what we saw with Doug Peterson – not going for it on fourth down, where there was literally, what, 12, 14 seconds, 19 seconds, I think, total on the clock, and that was at the play clock, not when they actually were done with the play. Not going for it on fourth down in a tie situation or kicking a field goal. I'm trying to think, but nothing real. Atlanta was just so bad, but was there one blunder? Like, not even DK Metcalf going full Leon Lett was a bigger blunder than what Doug Peterson did as far as not going for it, as far as not attempting anything. I Honestly, I, I can't think of a bigger mental blunder from player or coach yesterday across the NFL than what Doug Peterson did. And we saw a couple. I mean, we saw the Falcons melt down. There's just no reason why. There is zero reason why Dan Quinn has a job today. And if you are a Falcons fan and if you are somebody who has a voice in Atlanta and you continue this thing to go on, then you are part of the problem as well for being silent or not saying enough. But even still, I'm trying to think specifically racking my brain in that game. I, there were just bad plays by the Falcons, and they let up, which we saw last week. Onside kick. I don't want to call that a blunder, although you could argue that guys weren't really well coached. So, yeah, in, in all of this... Trying to figure out, in comparison at least, if there was anything worse than what Doug Peterson did on Sunday. I can't think of one. I honestly, it doesn't mean that somebody didn't make a mistake. It doesn't mean that somebody didn't fumble. Or, you know, Dak Prescott with a crucial turnover that turned around and actually was a 10-point swing when you looked at it. But still, Doug Peterson, of all people, turned into a pumpkin in a big moment where he has branded himself through his own actions as having the big cojones, and I, I just don't know what happened. So, to answer your question, if, in fact, Doug Peterson went for it, they didn't get it, then it's not a story. 
You understand? Like, that's the difference. It's not like Doug Peterson would be heralded. It's not like Doug Peterson would be praised because Doug didn't have a great day. Carson Wentz was atrocious. Jim Schwartz and the defense were awful. Joe Burrow, credit this young man. He can play, and he's smart. He's smart. He knows when to go down. He knows when to throw the football away. He's got instinct. And I hope Carson Wentz was paying attention, probably not on the sidelines. But the answer is it's not a story. The answer is at least they tried, and it's kind of just swept under the whole narrative of what happened. Well, they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place, so it's kind of a tough spot, fourth and 12. I think even if they kick the field goal and Jake Elliott misses, or if they go for it on fourth down and Carson Wentz, think about that. Let's look at a specific example real quick before we break. We'll touch on some other games, including what happened last night. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, two guys right now who are just on fire. But if Carson Wentz drops back, throws an incomplete pass on fourth and 12 in overtime that could have extended the play and put them back into field goal position, then nobody's saying anything about Doug Peterson on that play. People are just using that incomplete pass to continue to pile on the awful day that Carson Wentz had. Like it, well, it depends on the pass. If he grossly overthrows him, then yeah, we can pile on Wentz. But if it was well deflected, receiver dropped it, you know, if we had a... Uh, I don't remember the kid's first name, but Swift, Detroit Lions, Swift, when he dropped the surefire touchdown. Yeah. That would have given – if you had that situation for a first down, you know, Wentz gets a free pass. Not the day that he had, remember. You no, to, I know, but, but I'm saying we're not, not going to put there. that on him if he had, um, you know, someone going across the middle that dropped a ball, like literally just went right through his hands. Right, and, and that's where I, I think – that best-case scenario, but, if everything was crisp, I, you would but, have people go back to the poor day But I'm had. saying, like, for the Eagles overall, you guys, all you Philly fans would have felt so much better Absolutely. had you gone for it on fourth down. We would have been upset. Something. Absolutely. No, you're, you're 100% You would have right. been bummed that just you didn't convert, something. that the field goal wasn't good, that the game ended in tie, but you would have been like, ah, you know what, but I'm not, I'm not going to take it away from them because they tried it. Yeah, no, that is exactly it, is there was an attempt. And the, the lack of an attempt is what gets us the most. And it, it's, it's what should get everybody out there, right? At Shander Show, at Ron Culver, 800-224-2004. I contest that it's not the New York Jets. It's not Ron Culver's Chargers who came down to life a little bit. It's not the New York Giants who are expected to be this horrific it's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not even the Houston Texans. It's the Philadelphia Eagles that are by a mile the most disappointing story right now in the NFL as a whole. And then here comes Nick Foles. Man, we, you're right. We do have tons of NFL to get to. We'll get to all that next here on the second level. You're listening to The Second Level on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. Uh, we'll take a little time. Maybe nine minutes from now we'll look at this as far as the most disappointing team through three weeks in the NFL. I put it out there on Twitter, at Shander Show. Of course, I tweeted something else out just before, so that has taken over a lot of people's attention, including Dave Schaller, at Dave Schaller, who is fantastic at his job, the Sixers executive vice president 
of communications, there was some report that a local reporter here in Philadelphia just speculated, saying that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't get along. So I tweeted a quote from Boomerang about the fat boys breaking up. Now this, and Dave immediately responded. So now my timeline is completely derailed on that stuff. But I did put the tweet out asking the most disappointing team in the NFL through three weeks. And Ron, as you heard on the break, twitch.tv slash Show disagree so we'll stretch that a little bit coming up in eight minutes but before that last night and really yesterday afternoon depending on where you are around the country or world however you consume this show on this network but we had two guys right now who are clearly neck and neck for best quarterback in the nfc you can argue that they have a bid at the very least russell wilson does for the mvp now we have two teams tonight with two quarterbacks that are probably going to stand up and say, don't forget about us. The Ryan Tannehill experiment kind of came back down to earth as well with no touchdowns in that pick despite going for 300 yards. Ben Roethlisberger, unfortunately for a couple of bets that I placed, Ben Roethlisberger looks pretty good right now as the comeback player of the year, although Cam Newton is right there as well, and he just needs to have a couple of better games despite what New England is doing. So we're down to four quarterbacks, as I think we pretty much figured we would be at the start of the season. But whether or not you had Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, a Deshaun Watson, for example, who was out of the conversation, or maybe a dark horse candidate like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or even somebody down the middle like a Dak Prescott, or dare I say now, a Carson Wentz. The reality is we have two guys who played yesterday that are just playing this game different. They're just on a different level. And it's amazing theater to watch because they both come with awesome backstories. I don't know what happened in Green Bay, but there was so much speculation that the Packers were pushing Aaron Rodgers out and that the Packers have already drafted Aaron Rodgers' replacement and that Aaron Rodgers is begging to get out of Green Bay and as big of a cap hit and as tough as it would be from a fiscal standpoint to get rid of him after this year it's all but gone when you talk about the reality that he's back forget it just get rid of Aaron Rodgers that's the plan here and the reverse has happened and again I I don't know if Aaron Rodgers was extra motivated before or after whatever the case may be but this man is playing on a completely different level of comfort that we've seen Aaron Rodgers play. See, Russell Wilson, we'll get to him in a second, is a little different because you can compare him to what's happening around the NFL. Aaron Rodgers has had MVP years. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has been there at the top and is routinely referenced as one of the best talent-driven, at least, quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe ever. Aaron Rodgers especially if if you look at the first three weeks. And going into New Orleans, fans or no fans, is a difficult feat. Aaron Rodgers is playing on a different level of what we're used to seeing Aaron Rodgers play at. Some of that is just the offense, asking him to get rid of the ball very quickly. Also knowing that your defense is going to give up points. And you have to get down the field as fast as possible without it just relying on big plays. They move the ball. Rodgers is going to multiple different levels on defenses. It's awesome to watch. And then you have Russell Wilson, where that conversation for so long was, man, can you imagine what would happen if you gave him weapons? It reminded me a ton 
of the conversation with Barry Sanders. And yes, you could compare him to Emmitt Smith and other running backs who had a line because we know Barry had nothing. And you were just looking at him, just you felt sorry for Barry. You felt sorry for this guy. Just get him out. That was well before Twitter and a hashtag like free Barry, but I guarantee you that would have been going on. And it was just get this guy some protection. Imagine what would happen if Barry Sanders actually had an offensive line. He started to dream. Imagine what would happen if Russell Wilson had two guys that could sprint down the field. One who is just a monster when you look at his size. The other who is such a crisp route runner. What if you actually got Russell Wilson weapons? What if you could actually drop the quarterback back and have him throw the ball 40 yards in the air consistently? Imagine what that would look like. We're living it out. It's not the Seahawks. It sure as hell isn't the Packers. Who is the most disappointing team through three in the NFL? We'll hit on that next year in the second level. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So interesting question now as you look through the first three weeks of the NFL. You've got a couple of bad teams. The surprise has to be Chicago or up there as 3-0 shifting and rightfully so, I'd add, from somebody just saved their job, shifting from Mitchell Trubisky to Nick Foles. I don't know how long it lasts. It should last longer than just one game. But Nick Foles looked beyond comfortable. Receivers, look, everything just clicked. Even after a pick, Nick Foles was able to settle down and help lead a comeback, another comeback in his career. And that was much easier to stomach, watching the Eagles suffer their way through a tie to the Cincinnati Bengals. Five quarters, not enough there. The Chicago Bears, Nick Foles' comeback was much easier to watch than, oh, I don't know, Dak Prescott mounting one, this unbelievable historic comeback that we saw last week. Pretty difficult to do against the Seahawks, and not because of Seattle's defense, but because Seattle's offense just refuses to stop scoring. And they would have had another one if D.K. Metcalf didn't Leon let a football away. Ridiculous play by Metcalf, but he made up for it. Everybody there, Tyler Lockett was just dominant. So if you look at, let's say, a division, for example, the NFC West. Rams lose to one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Their quarterback, Josh Allen, is answering a lot of questions in Buffalo about how consistent and deep his arm can be throughout the season. Three weeks, no issues there. Rams, that's a good loss. San Francisco, we know they've lost everybody and suffered a loss as a result of that. They've won two straight, especially going on the road and beating up on the Giants, yes, but having nobody there as far as starters really to do it. Very impressive by the Niners. No surprise at all that they're 2-1, and 3-0. and Cardinals, look, it was not a great game for Arizona. They already stocked up some cachet by having the two wins to go into this weekend. So when you suffer a loss like that to Detroit, 
it doesn't look as bad because you're not 1-2 right now or 0-3, something along those lines. Arizona is playing well, but even still, not this major surprise by any means that they're 2-1. and Atlanta, 0-3, you would think, I think what's more surprising about Atlanta being 0-3 is that Carolina's not right there with them. That's probably the biggest surprise there. Minnesota is definitely a shock, and we can talk about them in, in a second here. But as far as teams up top, Washington, it's one and two on the year. That shouldn't really account for anything outside of just we knew this division was trash. We knew last year this division was trash. It got worse. As bad as the NFC East was last year, it got worse. So the question came up about the most disappointing. Because, again, the Bills were the odds-on favorite for a majority of the summer to win the AFC East. The Steelers come back. They're 3-0. and Maybe that's a little bit of a surprise. But is it a surprise that they're better than both Cincinnati and Cleveland? It shouldn't be. The Titans were in the playoffs last year. They knocked off the Ravens last year. And the Colts got a little bit better, not really at the quarterback position, but outside of injury. So flip that and just look at the most disappointing team. Look at a team that right now through the first three weeks has failed to live up to every expectation, not just the big one or two expectations, but everything, everything across the board. To where this entire first three weeks, this early stretch, has been an unmitigated disaster. One in which you were just thoroughly ill-prepared for every single week in multiple facets. And on top of that, what people, and this is the big one for me, what people expected out of you to start the season. Like where you were favored to finish, and on top of that, fans from not only you and the rest of the fans who root for this team in question, but what a lot of people thought. Talking heads to people that just follow the league outside of fill-in-the-blank city. So I don't know how it's not Philadelphia. May, and I get it, like 0-2-1 is better than 0-3. And if you point to an 0-3 team just on record, it might serve purpose where that tie actually helps you to get into that third wild card or something along those lines. But we're watching in Philadelphia, at least, and I'll give you my specifics and we'll listen to Ron's dark horse candidate here. Oh, I don't I'm think it's watching, a dark horse candidate. Well, it's not mine, so therefore it's a dark horse. Okay. I'm watching an Eagles team that is three straight years in the postseason, overcoming injury after injury. So I can't really harp on who's out and how many injuries they have. A quarterback who has turned into fill-in-the-blank, Chuck Knobloch, whoever it comes to mind, as far as, like, he's got the yips. I'm watching a quarterback who has the yips. Carson Wentz can't drop back and complete consistently a five-yard swing pass to a running back, a 10-yard out, a 15-yard post. He can't complete these basic passes consistently. And that is a guy who was the odds-on MVP three years ago. So it's not like injury has decimated him or anything along those lines. It's he can't play the game. I'm watching a head coach who has been emasculated. He has truly turned from somebody who was aggressive to a fault at times, going for it every place that he possibly could, fourth and eight on his own 38, he's going for it. Just ridiculous, belligerent at times. 
turn into a shell of himself and forget the feel of a game and actually went on locally this morning on a local radio show that he does every week. He went on this morning and admitted in hindsight he should have done something. He should have kicked the field goal or gone for it, but definitely not punted. And I'm watching a defense that can't stop anybody. Nobody. And outside of Dallas, who is down so many people, is one of the worst defenses. And the reason why I say the Eagles, after all of that, are the most disappointing team so far is because they were predicted to be, rightfully so, neck and neck with Washington to win this division. They've lost to, uh, pardon me, Dallas. They've lost to Washington and tied Cincinnati. So that's my argument. I've just laid it all out there on the floor there as far as why the Eagles have been so wretched when it comes to their performance and not meeting expectations. You have a team that you think is more disappointing than the Eagles, of course. Yes. Is it Minnesota? No, it's Atlanta. No, Atlanta? Atlanta. I, if you give up two two weeks in a row now, Atlanta has got to be, I'm not even going to say the unluckiest team. They've been playing well in these games. They can't finish it. They can't. They can't sustain. There is something fundamentally wrong when you cannot finish out a game when you're up by that much every single time, and now it's creating a stigma for Atlanta because we always make fun of them for twenty-eight to three. Now they're just living that out in real time. Well, yeah, they, but is that new? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, because twenty-eight to three wasn't that that was uh, four years ago, right? Yeah. And they haven't really done that since then. They've been mediocre at best, but they haven't been blowing these games in epic proportions. Two weeks in a row now, they've had a they've had a lead late in the game just to squander it away. And yesterday they did it to Nick Foles and the Bears, and that's inexcusable. I, that is crazy. I can almost make an argument for the Cowboys. The Cowboys do have a good team. Well, yeah, that's the thing, though. I mean, you're talking about losing. But what to I'm talking about, teams. but what I'm talking about is having being up by twenty with you know less than a quarter to play. And that's where that's where it's getting ridiculous that these guys have it in the bag. They just for whatever reason, offense all of a sudden just gets way too conservative. Defense doesn't know what to do. Well, that's the point. Okay, you're right. I'm not arguing with anything that you're saying. The, the Atlanta Falcons, and this is what makes Dan Quinn's job just laughable that he's still employed right now. But I I wonder how much of that was expected did you honestly believe the Falcons would be one of the top two teams this year in the NFC South with the addition of Brady and what's going on in Tampa and the return no I didn't think that but I also thought they would be a little more competitive I mean right now the Atlanta Falcons they should be two and one right wouldn't you agree uh I I would say one and two you don't think they – I think they should be 2-1 and one just because they should have beaten the Cowboys. They should have beaten the Bears yesterday. There's your two wins. I, I don't think about the, the Bears personally. You think the Bears are a better team than the Falcons? Yes. Oh. But here's the thing. Th- their defense is atrocious, and their defense was horrible last year too. Well, I know, but, I mean, they're letting these games get away. They're letting these teams get backed on them. And that's where you got to do something about it. I mean, sure. I, you, I'm not going to say that you know watching an onside kick spin like a top uh, last week was the answer. You know what they were doing, but I mean that's I mean that's still an excuse. This team is way better than what they're projecting uh, projecting or putting out there on each Sunday. 
Oh, man, you give them way too much credit. Because that offense is, is a fantasy player's dream. And I agree that they've got three guys. Julio makes four that they can throw to consistently. Todd Gurley clearly has found a home down there. But coming into the season... And this was the whole thing about Dan Quinn. Like, Dan Quinn shouldn't have been back in the first no, place. No, he shouldn't be. And, and how he still has a job today is, is beyond me. He must have some, something on Arthur Blank right now. Who should be fired for – all right, so hold on a second. Before I even get to that, and, and let me write that down so I don't forget it. But I, I think, man, you know, the Falcons, they're a good – I just disagree. But and no, I that's think fine. The, you mean, no, no, no. You know I, what? I, You're I blinded by your own eagle fandom. But I think Minnesota. You can make an argument for Minnesota. Well, no, Min- over Atlanta. No, Minnesota is trying to uh, tank this year. They're just secretly doing it. Is that they're, it? Yeah, they they don't care about Kirk Cousins anymore. They they're they're tanking for Trevor. They've got ninety million thousand billion. To uh, paraphrase the president, they've got ninety thousand billion million right dollars. Left, Rather, left to pay know, out. Cooped up into uh, Kirk Cousins, but they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. They're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, and then they'll, you know, have uh, have him watch a football season, and then he's he'll take. I doubt they'll have him watch a football season, but you know, they might. Uh, they might. Uh, Terod Taylor, Kirk Cousins, <laughs> just to get away from him. Just say, oh, I'm sorry, bad. Unbelievable. I mean, hey, seriously, if nothing happens to that doctor with the Chargers. Oh, my. I mean, do, are, do you see other NFL teams saying, "Hey, uh, give them the give them the the T square treatment"? Well, the former doctor of the Chargers, who was under a lot of hot water and scrutiny, has now made a name for himself as like a media analyst. So, if this guy's smart, he'd be leaving the team and doing media tours and get picked up by like CBS Sports or whoever employs Doctor Chow now. I think it's like outkick the coverage or something. Who knows? But yeah, that's that's what I would do. All right, I we are at an impasse because I'm not going to convince That's Ron. Fine. We can and be you at are an not going to convince me. No, I know, but I, I wonder outside of Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Minnesota. We leave this open here: twitch.tv slash Shander Show eight hundred two two four two thousand four, and of course at Ron Culver two ends at Shander Show both on Twitter. If there was another team, a fourth team that you could add to the mix as far as being more disappointing than Philadelphia, Minnesota or as Ron throws in Atlanta. Now, I have the results for our picks. We picked every single game really quick. Rapid fire, too. Exactly. I don't even remember what I picked. I have them all written down. It's our quick picks. We'll do that every week, our quick picks segment of the week, where we just rapid fire through everything. We don't even give analysis. It's just boom, boom, boom. I have the results. We'll do that next as we wrap the hour. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, let's do this real quick. As quick as we did the picks here. <laughs> so, we both had Atlanta minus three. That was an X. Rams plus two. Now, despite what we saw at the end of that game... Just missed out on that. Plus three we needed. Cleveland minus seven, so we both hit on that. Tennessee minus two and a half. We lost on that. New England minus five and a half. I believe they covered that, right? 36 to... They beat them up, didn't they? Where is that? There we go. 36 to 20. Yep. 
So they got that. Uh, you were on San Fran. I was on the Giants, so nice job on that. You were on Cincinnati. I was on Philadelphia. Nice job on that. We were both on Houston off. We both hit Indianapolis minus 11.5. Both missed on the Chargers. Uh, don't remind me. You took Tampa Bay. Smart. I mistaken. I thought Blake was out there. It was Jake Driscoll. You took Detroit. Look at you. Yeah. I took Arizona. We both were on Seattle, and we were both on Green Bay. So you got me by four. Look at that. Yeah, who knew? I knew what I was talking about. Well, when I we'll really do don't this. know, even know what I'm talking about. The record is margin of victory each week. So you're up four nothing after week three. And right. We just started this week three, but you you I'll got me four zero. Unbelievable. We got be a couple of these were stupid when I look back at it. Like, what the <laughs> hell was I doing taking the Giants plus three and a half? Yeah. Tennessee, well, you, I'm surprised. You know what your problem was? You thought lost. you were looking at the Niners going, you know what? Half their team got injured. The, yeah, Gi- the Giants are going right. to do something at home. Well, also, I, you're, no, you're right, where I didn't give the Niners depth credit, and we've seen Nick Mullins throw before when asked upon, and I don't know. The Giants, I, I just did not think the Giants' offense from a passing standpoint would look so bad, and yet it really has. Giants have, they can't do anything. If you can't throw the ball in New York, you can't do anything because they have no running game. Their defense all over the place is atrocious. I'm pretty impressed, man. You just blew through those, and it was the ones that you disagreed with me that you won. Everything else we went collectively. We rode or died, whatever it was. Houston killed us. Arizona, nice job on that, man. All right, second hour, John McMullen, fake news. This is a Gal Media property in partnership with Jacob Media. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You've got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level on the Sports Map Radio Network. A show where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Second hour, we've got fake news with Ron Culver, John McMullen, our NFL insider. And up until Thursday was our fake news expert. We'll probably hang around. We've got a couple of other things we should get to. Regarding the day in the NFL, mentioned as we began the last hour, our first hour, for the first time this year, it felt like college football was really back. We had a couple of little appetizers, but it wasn't much. And I know that you can go to your favorite restaurant and get something, and maybe it's a starter, a tapas, it's an appetizer, whatever it is, or however it's labeled on the menu. And it might be just your favorite thing on the menu, but you know you don't get much at all. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example, and and I'm going to go from five-star restaurant to fast food here in a matter of seconds. But Duncan has these amazing new things. I don't know if you've had them, Ron. If anybody out there on the stream at Shander Show at Ron Culver 2 ends twitch.tv slash Shander Show. But they have these new things called mini bagels or bagel minis, whatever they're called actually on the menu. I think they're bagel minis, but they always say, you mean mini bagels? 
So I, I say what's on the menu, and then the person on the phone says, no, 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 you have to do it the other way. So they are basically these small little bagel balls, if you will, like a bagel hole. You know you have donut holes? Munchkins, yeah. if you will? Yeah. It's it's a munchkin, but it's a made of a bagel, and cooked inside of it is a little dab of cream cheese. These things are amazing. It's the best thing you can get from Dunkin'. I love them. I'm addicted to them. But they only come in orders of two. That's it. So it's not like they're expensive. You just load up. I'll take three orders of mini bagels. That only gets you six. That's what college football felt like. It was this awesome thing on the menu, and it was back, and I couldn't wait to dive into it and take a bite of it. And I looked around. It was gone. Three weeks, it was over. Finally, week four hit. And we had some amazing upsets, including Kansas State knockoff Oklahoma. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. NFL tonight, last night was exceptional football. Came down to the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and and what the Packers are doing right now. It's been outstanding television. First three weeks of the season are capped off tonight with Kansas City Baltimore. Probably the most anticipated primetime game we've had since the return Thursday night in which the NFL opened up with the Chiefs and the Texans. And I should mention Houston, because as great of a story as Nick Foles was yesterday, stepping off the bench, he's got to be the best pinch hitter of all time, right? Is there anybody that comes to mind? Baseball, we brought this up one day about baseball and the best pinch hitter, and I couldn't even tell you who comes to mind. There are so many different names that uh, spent a cup of coffee here or there. But as far as just stepping into a situation, yeah, Tom Brady comes to mind after what he did with Drew Bledsoe. But no, but that was he wasn't really a pinch hitter. No, he was. I, just, I know what you're saying. You're saying somebody who steps in, competes well. Maybe he goes back away, comes back again, goes away, comes back again. I mean, okay, could you equate? What Nick Foles? I think we can equate what Nick Foles did with a pinch hitter in baseball. Yeah. Can you equate what Nick Foles did with like a sixth or seventh man in the NBA? Somebody who comes, like maybe a seventh man, somebody who plays quality minutes, doesn't start, probably should start, but for whatever reason is just always. There's a new shiny toy that or comes the team to town. Is, the team is stacked in that, but like any other yes. team, he would be a yes. starter. Because we did that with Nick Foles before. Remember? When he yes. the first time with Philly, right? We, he then he went. Uh, what he go to St. Louis? Well, yeah, and it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. But we were like, ah, any other team, he'd be a starter for that team. Any other team, exactly. And we probably thought that there were a couple of teams, at least in the NFL, now where he would be starting outside of Chicago, including Chicago, mind you. So he steps in, throws three touchdowns. Allen Robinson the third looks like he's happy right now. Yep. And the Bears are 3-0. and I don't know how you go back. You can't. Yeah. This was it. This was the last straw for Trubisky. It's not like, here's the thing. You can't bench Carson Wentz. 
You can't. I know they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. They have a ton of money wrapped up in Carson Wentz. They don't have that responsibility in Chicago. They don't owe Mitchell Trubisky anything. Get rid of that guy as fast as possible. If you're a coach, a general, you might even save your job. Think about it. Is anybody going to get fired if they go 9-7, and 10-6 because Nick Foles is now the quarterback? Is somebody going to step down from ownership and say, you know, we really wanted to see this thing happen with Trubisky. It didn't. You couldn't make it work. You're out. No, that's not how it works. You can't go back. You're right, Ron. You cannot go back. You can't even go back if Nick Foles has a bad quarter or half. Hey, the Bears could lose a game next week and you still can't go back unless Nick Foles is utterly horrendous and throws three interceptions and is the fundamental reason why you lose a football game. You just you can't do it. You have to stick it out. You have to. The Washington football team at one and two, Ron Rivera came out and said, no, I'm sticking with Dwayne Haskins. You can't be the first team in your division to bench a quarterback if you're in Philadelphia. So from somebody who's in this city, let me just tell you that's not going to happen. The Eagles will not be the first team in the NFC East to bench their quarterback. It will either be the Giants, which I don't see happening, because, again, you've got a young QB who needs to take his growing pains, or it's Washington who might try and salvage something with Alex Smith. But I doubt that's going to happen as well. So I don't even know how that even comes into the conversation outside of frustration. But the Bears were insane yesterday, putting up those 20 points and dominating that fourth quarter behind Nick Foles, of all people. Elsewhere, and we touched on this a little bit, but there were two big wins for two other teams, Buffalo and New England. You want to look at the AFC East, Buffalo and New England, neck and neck right now. I, I admitted it this morning, and I'll admit it on your show as well. I think I'm a Josh Allen apologist. Oh, yeah, I, I am I am as well. No, you're right. I, I'm sorry for doubting you, Josh Allen. Is it Allen. too early, though? I don't know. I mean, what he's done the last three weeks. I mean, you know, I'll be you know, against the Jets and the Dolphins. We're like, okay, yeah, you should have career games. He did that against the Rams. Yeah, it was impressive. That's, I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe there was a little Saint payback with the pass interference call. I don't know, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, he did that against the Rams. And that's impressive because the Rams' defense is tough to do that against. Yeah, it's Aaron just, Donald it's, it's was. It's a tough defense. Uh, Aaron Donald, I mean, I almost apologize for Aaron Donald, too, because last year I kind of wrote him off. Like, ah, you know what, he's kind of regressing already. And then this season, he's just, oh, God. Oh, he's been an animal. I mean, no, I, I think you're right, though. A lot of people questioned whether or not you would see Josh Allen be able to make throws consistently. You would be able to see him utilize. Like, think about it. When Stephon Diggs, it's news that Stephon Diggs is now a member of the Buffalo Bills. What was my first thought was, how the hell is Josh Allen going to get him the football? That was the, the first and really only thing I thought was, oh, man, this seems like a waste. It seems like a waste of somebody's talent in Diggs that you're bringing him over to go deep down the field with a quarterback who struggles to throw the ball 15 yards. Well, wrong. As you said, apologies. I, I need to apologize like you do to Josh Allen. And I think a lot of us were wrong about Josh Allen. And you know what? For three straight weeks, he's proven us wrong. I can't see him falling off. He would have to play like Carson Wentz. Imagine that. Like, what would it take for Josh Allen to play so poorly 
where all of a sudden three or four weeks, because we'd have to give it a little time. We can't just do it after next week. He's earned a little bit of cred here with three straight weeks of solid play. But what would it take for us to have to turn around and rescind our apology, say, no, 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 it was all wrong. We were right on Josh Allen. We were wrong when we thought we were wrong on Allen. He would have to look like Carson Wentz. He would have to drop back and physically be unable to complete a five-yard pass to a running back. He would have to be able to, to go from consistently throwing the football now well down the field, something we didn't think he could do, to missing guys wide open on screen plays, just five yards over their head with not a defender, not a soul around him. Josh Allen would have to turn into Carson Wentz in order for us to come back and rescind any apology that right now Allen rightfully is owed. That's how bad it would have to look. He would have to turn into a quarterback who simply looks like they've forgotten how to play this game. And I can't see Josh Allen doing that, mainly because of, think about the momentum you have. You were up big. You are up big over the Rams. And now the Rams, because they have that capability, start to come back, start to put up points on the board. You look around thinking, are we really going to lose this game at home to the Rams? And not the Rams like the Rams, meaning a, a bad team, but like, come on. We, we were up big time over this football team. And you start to see 28-3, you start to see that lead go. And all of a sudden you look up, and if you don't score – this final touchdown, if you don't march down the field and score this last touchdown, you lose the game. And Josh Allen led his team down the field. Got a lot of help from Daryl Henderson, but that's what they do. They run when they can. They don't abort. They don't move away from anything. They run when they can. A crazy moment if you look at how they overcame this Rams momentum which, as we've seen in Philadelphia and other teams have as well, in Dallas, you start to steamroll and, and really snowball, I guess, would be the better way. Uh, a lot of momentum for that offense. And they're just going to be moving the ball down until the clock runs out. And that's exactly what happened. The Rams were in a position where if they got the ball back, they probably would have scored 20 or 30 more seconds on the clock. They probably would have got a field goal. The way in which they were moving the ball. And Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills that was a huge statement, a very big statement. Ryan Tannehill eking one out against the Vikings on the road despite a monster day by Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, rookie now stepping in, playing really well. That wasn't as – if you look at what the Titans were expected to do and what Ryan Tannehill did, which basically didn't lose the game, there's the difference. Ryan Tannehill was more along for the ride than a person or a player of influence. Josh Allen turned into that. It was really cool and fun to watch him scamper around the field last year, making up for the fact that he could not complete a pass 15 yards down the field. Now it's dangerous. When you add the ability to complete those passes consistently, mind you, and his abilities to move on the floor now you've got a dangerous scenario here. You have to run him in a stack every week. I mean, you really, you have to. He and Russell Wilson, I feel like, are mandatory stacks every week. You have to run the Bills, and you can decide who else you want to throw in that stack. And you have to run a Wilson-Lockett-Metcalf stack. Good news is that their defense in Seattle is so bad that somebody on the other end is going to go big time. And we saw that even in Dallas. 
Now, the one team we did not mention as far as one of the most disappointing teams, we threw out Atlanta, Minnesota, and Philadelphia. I still can't bring myself to admit, and I don't think that I'm wrong here, but just come to grips with or admit or be pushed over on the other side, that the Texans are one of the top three most disappointing teams in the NFL. And I think a lot of that has to do with who they've played so far. Now, granted, the Steelers was their easiest game. The 2-0 and Steelers, who clearly look different now and healthy now and are better than what they were last year with an addition of a quarterback, that was their most. That was their easiest game. That was their most winnable game. Cal on Twitch through the account here, Shander Show, twitch.tv slash Shander Show, that Josh Allen hurdled two years ago was insane. <laughs> Isn't it amazing now to see him be able to put together his prowess on the ground with making throws? And Josh Allen will be t- – that was something that was keeping him back. Can't throw the football. Can't throw it well. Can't throw it deep. Can't throw it consistently. Well, you do all that now, all of a sudden you've got a pretty good quarterback, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Deshaun Watson is still that, mind you. We were talking about Josh Allen, but Watson is still that. It's going up against two straight buzzsaws. At 0-3, would it really shock you? Truly shock. That division is not good besides Tennessee. Would it really shock you right now if the Texans flipped this thing, turned around, and finished 8-8, and and made the playoffs as a back end as that third wild card, something that is very realistic with an 8-8 eight and eight record. It's not as difficult as you may think when you start to look down their schedule. I don't know what Chicago's going to be four weeks out of the end of the season. I know what the Colts, Bengals, Lions, and Browns are going to be. I know what the Jaguars are going to be, a team they have to play twice still. I am more confident, if you look at four teams right now that are just tail-spinning away, The most confident I'm in, as crazy as this sounds, is Houston. It's not Atlanta to turn anything around with that defense. It's not Minnesota, who's got defensive issues as well and can't afford for Kirk Cousins to have a bad day. And it is definitely not Philadelphia. As bad as that division is, they lost to Washington already and tied with the Bengals. It's Houston, based on their schedule. They were victims of circumstance more so than anything else, and they will benefit off of that same circumstance, just give it some time. Fake news with Ron and John coming up next on the second level. So, can I ask you a question? Oh. Fake news with Ron. With all the fake news out there, don't believe those lies. It's on Shander to give it to you straight. Three stories, but only one is fake. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. Can Shander spot the fraud? Here's Ron Culver. All right, Aton, you said it earlier. But now we bring on the former undisputed fake news hap- getter, haver, what are we calling it? Expert. Expert. He's already lost his title after but one. But you know what? He'll gain it back this week. And then Doug he'll, Peterson not he'll even under it. as much scrutiny as John McMullen. Ooh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see how he does. I think there's plenty of scrutiny. Like not as not, there'll never be more scrutiny. Well, than John, when to Peter's be fair, okay. John's part of the scrutiny when it comes to Doug. That's true. So. <laughs> That's true. He yeah. has to recuse was, himself. Did he? So I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of like Doug now with all this scrutiny. Now I'm starting to I'm now starting you know to think about things. Right. Leave the guy yeah. alone, will you? Well, now that's you know why. I mean, exactly. you know, well, you'll get that. You'll gain that perspective. 
and have a better understanding of Eagles fan and uh, coaching staff. Now, John, did you also believe that Doug Peterson uh, didn't know that the uh, games could end in a tie? No. According to Aton? Aton <laughs> got some people on that. Just wanted to make sure, right? Got to clear the air there. Yeah, how, who got that? Like, I, how is somebody a fan of this football team for more than 12 years or at all? Like, I, I don't know. That, that in its own was was really difficult. Five will always love you. We'll always Thank love you. you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, story number one. The artist who created Comedian, that art piece that it was a banana duct tape to a wall, has made nearly $500,000 off doing three of those art pieces. Now, I randomly so, saw a tweet that said, I think Barstool had it, that it was sold to the Guggenheim. No, it was lent to the Guggenheim. Lent to the Guggenheim. Yeah. One of the guys who bought it paid like a hundred and some odd thousand dollars for it and then ate the banana. So what are we saying now? The guy who did the banana on the wall is the, the artist. The artist who created that art piece. <laughs> I'm gonna call him a guy, but has, go ahead. has made nearly five hundred thousand uh, dollars off of three of those artworks. And I, I'm doing quotation marks if you will. Art pieces. Well, I know he. I know he made uh, some ridiculous amount of the ban- over the banana. But so we're saying on top of that, three other ones. Is that what we're saying? Off yeah. um, um, three of them, he has made nearly yes five hundred thousand dollars. He's at forty nine. Yeah, yeah. All right. God bless him. I guess. Story number two. Yeah. We all know limited fans are allowed in the stadium, but one team, the Denver Broncos, found a way to get the entire cast from a local TV show into the stadium to watch the game live. Well, well that one I know is true. Okay, so that one story I know is one. completely true. Uh, look at this. We know story one, at least I, I saw the tweet, and now you know story two is true. So that would lead me to believe that no matter what comes out of Ron's mouth for story three, that would be fake, right? Yeah. So we know. Uh, story, I, I don't know. We know story I, I, two is true. That's what yeah, John South said. Park was there. South the entire town of South Park was there in cardboard cutout form. <laughs> ah, see. Now I saw last yesterday on the Eagles game, which the, is awesome, by the way. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, and isn't this ahead of the premiere? Don't they have like a full hour premiere coming up? Uh, don't they always? I believe, yeah, Wednesday. Oh, I think they do every premiere. every week. Look at that, John McMullen is on the yes. moment in which South Park premieres this wow. season. I didn't. Yeah, I'm a big it. South Park. Look guy, at that. So you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna throw that fastball by me. <laughs> Ron Scherzel tried. I tried. <laughs> That's why I wasn't mentioning the name. I was at a local TV show, and he picked up on it right away. That's great. Jumped all over it. Story number three. John Gruden decided to wear women's underwear for a face mask this past weekend as a silent protest to the NFL's mask policy. That can't be true. That can't be true. Come on. Have you seen the photos? That would have to be. I mean, if that were true, that would be viral upon viral. Are you kidding me? You should see the photos. Okay, but. Well, it might look like women's underwear. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Right. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, the fact that it, it has it been confirmed. I guess the question is, 
Has it been confirmed that it's women's underwear? And what type? I mean, there are multiple. John would do that. Right. They, yeah, it could be I a can't imagine. Bottom. It could be a thong. It could be the you know like the granny panties. It could be big thing. Whatever. And, yeah. In today's world, that would be such a a faux pas. I mean, they would be calling to cancel John Gruden. <laughs> that's saying true. that's sexist. I can't imagine. Even if he wore like he a little lazy that. number. Yeah, see, I could see that. I could see him wearing something that has been misinterpreted or used to make yeah. fun of him. But I can't yeah. see John Gruden being the catalyst and behind I can this. See, I, can, I can also see Frank Caliendo making a bit out of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's to come later. <laughs> that is true. So I, I'm All gonna, right, so I, what I, story is that? It's got to be three. Is it the I, comedian, I, the live TV show, or John Gruden's face mask? Uh, Protest. It's got to be. Unless be. you've uh, altered story one. No, 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 no. Of course. Detail. Of course it's John Gruden, but I, I implore both of you guys to look. Uh, just you can Google some images, John Gruden face mask. And it's not that it look. It does look like he's wearing uh, a woman's thong. It, it, yes, but it also because looks like his mat. I don't know how this happens or why he did it this way. Instead of pulling it down, it's kind of off to the side. It's very bizarre. It's like it's almost. Oh, no, we are. Yeah. It, it looks I, like I was gonna make. I, I was gonna make a joke, but then I'll get in trouble. Yeah. So I'm well, here's what it looks like to me. Remember when you were in like eighth grade and it was cool to go out and like cut your sleeves off of, of t-shirts and you can you know this is back when you couldn't buy sleeveless tees now that right. that's all the rave. Yeah. And you would buy it and then some every now and again somebody would use the cut off sleeve as like a headband. And it would just look awful because it wasn't cut on uh, on like a level, and it was just all just all over the but place. But it doesn't matter if you got two tickets to the gun show, Aton. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, I don't know what ticket John like. Gruden has with this thing, but yeah, it, it, it didn't matter at that point if if you had ridges and it was all over the place, like an uneven cut. This looks like somebody unevenly cut off sleeves. And he had to wear it like a mask. <laughs> well, I think I think Ron felt bad that he, he ended my streak and he gave me a gave me an easy sharp single left. No, actually, I just did just that so we, so we can talk about John Gruden uh, John Gruden's face mask issues because he might get fined again for wearing half a mask on his face. He should be fined for wearing a sleeve on his face. It was it didn't even look in it some photos more like a sleeve than a thong. In some photos and some angles, it does look like an eye patch. This is terrible. All right, I have a question for John regarding these masks coming up. We'll also talk about the big day that was week three in the National Football League. You're listening to The Second Level on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. A lot to look at from over the weekend. A busy week three in the NFL. Our NFL insider, John McMullen, at JF McMullen, courtesy of Jacob Media, hanging with us. We both nailed fake news like it was nothing. As far as what happened yesterday, let's start with a pretty big topic of conversation on this show, as you can imagine, when we opened things up an hour and 40 minutes ago. And let's just fast forward to overtime with one final play 
And I did hear Doug Peterson live this morning on a local radio station in Philadelphia admit that he should have done things differently. But just kind of take us through the bigger picture, John, of what's fundamentally wrong with this Philadelphia Eagles team and boil it down to maybe the microcosm that was conceding a punt and a tie to end a game against the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, I, I, people aren't going to want to hear this because they're going to say excuse. Uh, I think it's more of an explanation. I mean, the injuries have again taken hold. And when you talk about what they were down, they lose to Sean Jackson, Dallas Goddard in the game. Uh, Jalen Rager was already out. We know all sound Jeffrey's not back. So that's the receiver slash tight ends. The offensive line is down 60% of what it was supposed to be. So I don't know too many teams that would lose that many players and look good. When the Eagles tied the game, I mean, receivers on the field were Greg Ward, John Hightower, and Deontay Burnett. So, I mean, that's what you're down to. So you're not going to look very good, but all that said, I mean, bottom line is because of the way the schedule has, has broken for them, and it was Washington week one, Cincinnati week three, if the quarterback is even competent, and, and by competent I mean just don't give the ball away, the Eagles are 2-1 and one in the worst division in football and in first place. As, as it stands, they tie a game and they, they pick up ground on the rest of that horrible division. So that kind of tells you where the NFC East is. But, yeah, I mean, if you lose that many players, you're not going to look good. That's pretty much every team. Well, except for the 49ers. And granted, they went up against the Giants, and hopefully two games against the Giants will be just right for the Philadelphia Eagles. What is it about the Niners that is either an anomaly or maybe puts a little more pressure on a team like the Eagles to get something done if, in fact, they do lose a bunch of guys? No, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. It was the New York Giants. I just talked about the NFC East. I mean, typically, if you're facing a good team, and you'll see it, you'll see the attrition in San Francisco, uh, and more so than Jimmy Garoppolo, even when you talk about the defensive line, that's what got him to the Super Bowl last season, and that was Nick Bosa. And they lose him to a torn ACL, which is just a, a devastating injury, but also Solomon Thomas. And they have so many more injuries on top of that. I mean, you don't get to play the New York Giants every week. And you look at that division as a whole. Uh, Arizona, even though they were disappointing, is much improved. And then you talk about Seattle and you talk about the L.A. Rams. San Francisco is not going anywhere unless they get people healthy. Fair enough, and especially when you look at it in comparison to the division. John, I am curious to get your thoughts on this. I don't know if there's a bigger surprise, and I don't mean to use this. Sometimes it can connote like a negative to a positive, but I don't mean to diminish or belittle anything he's done this year. In fact, I think it adds to how refreshing of a surprise it is. But as great as Russell Wilson is playing, as lights out as Aaron Rodgers is playing, there can't be a bigger surprise in the NFL than how well and consistent Josh Allen is playing. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no question. That was the biggest concern, I think, with everybody, including myself, with Buffalo. And I think people jumped the gun on assuming they were going to win the AFC East just because Tom Brady left New England. Uh, and I still think it's a little bit too early. But certainly 
Uh, Stefan Diggs has obviously helped, but, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs isn't going to help accuracy. I mean, he's going to be open. He's always open. You got to get him the football, though. So, uh, you know, scouts I constantly talk to say that all the time. You can't really teach accuracy. And that was the big red flag with, with Josh Allen, the fact that uh, he wasn't accurate coming into the NFL. And it very rarely improves to a level where it's going to make a difference. So short sample size, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he has been one of the one of the feel good stories, and he certainly looks like he's turned the corner. But I think you bring up Aaron Rodgers last night. I tweeted this this morning, uh, Aton. If there's going to be no fans or very few fans in every stadium this year, the Packers are winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just unfair that that guy. You see what he does in Green Bay with yep. the hard counts, and you get two or three offsides every game, and he saves them for big spots. Now he can do that on the road, and and he did it again last night. And and it's it's just so hard to play against that team. And if you don't have silent counts on the road, man, they're they're going to be tough to deal with because he's on a different level. You talk about Russell Wilson. I know everybody's on the Russell Wilson for MVP train, MVP of this league with no fans. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Well, on the flip side. It seems as if, and uh, granted, people talk about Philadelphia as much as you want till the cows come home. That's fine. But I know for a fact that they're not nearly as big of a home field advantage as what we've seen in New Orleans and maybe Seattle to a lesser extent. But to your point about Aaron Rodgers being on a tear everywhere he goes, I would assume that the same works in reverse for the Saints, which is they lost a huge advantage this year. Oh, yeah. And, and Minnesota. Minnesota's turned out to be a bad team. But you think about it. If you talk about the five loudest environments, you just hit on two of them. Minnesota's a third of the top five. Uh, Green Bay was there week one. I think they put up 42. I think he had two or three of those, drawing them off sides. Uh, and then you saw it again with the Saints. Uh, I mean, those. It, it doesn't get tougher than those two environments when fans are there and how loud it is. And at the bare minimum, not saying Green Bay can't win those games because they're a good team anyway, but you do have the silent counts. You do have the noise where you're not going to be able to do that. And it's just one of those things about 2020 COVID world that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. And, and the NFL tried is already trying to give some of these teams back a little bit of a home field advantage by agreeing to up the decibel level, and I think you're going to see that throughout the season. Everything's done on the fly, but it's just not the same, and and you don't have these home field advantages, and it's drastically altering the landscape. It's it's it's, But everybody's dealing with it, so that's what the NFL kind of defaults on, and everybody's got the same issues, but those teams with big home field advantages, they don't have them anymore. John McMullen at JF McMullen on Twitter, NFL Insider, courtesy of Jacob Media. I'm going to ride this train until they're physically eliminated from the playoffs because I don't see the Houston Texans finishing 6-10, and 5-11, even 7-9. and nine. They were clearly victim of the toughest first three games that anybody has played this year. And granted, 0-3 is their record, John. I'm not trying to make any excuses. I sure as hell won't for Bill O'Brien. They just seem like they have enough talent 
to pull out of this tailspin. Like, I don't feel confident about the Vikings at 0-3 or the Falcons at 0-3 or the Eagles at 0-2-1 to do that so much as I do with Houston. No, it probably has to do with the quarterback, and I think you'll see it. I think they have the Vikings this week at home, so they'll win that game um, and and go to 1-3, and three, and maybe that starts. I, I think the biggest concern is, their division, and that's where the Eagles have an advantage because they play in a bad division. Um, and that's, I mentioned it with San Francisco, plays in a good division. Houston, maybe not as good as the NFC West, but Tennessee's a, a solid team. Indianapolis is, is taking care of business, at least against bad teams. So you really have only Jacksonville as sort of a gimme in that division. So I think that creates a bigger concern than anything else. But yeah, if you look at the 0-3 teams, uh, the winless teams, and there's a lot of them, I think Houston would be at the top of that group. Uh, but, you know, that's the tallest shirt guy at the circus, so Fair I don't enough. know how much that means. Not much. Let's flip it. At 3-0, how, how do you go back to Mitchell Trubisky right now in Chicago? <laughs> how do you, more so than that, in, in, in an existential sense, how do you have a quarterback controversy in your 3-0? and That's how bad Mitchell Trubisky is. <laughs> yes, perfectly. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's absurd. And, and then on top, I mean, we know Nick Foles. I, there's never been a stranger career in no. the history of the NFL. The highs are so high. The lows are so low. They'll get back to Mitchell Trubisky, but, you know, that's when Nick gets hurt and, and, and comes off the rails. Bottom line is neither of those guys are, are capable of starting 16 games. And you talk about, you know, Houston as an 0-3 team versus Chicago as a 3-0 and team. I'd rather be Houston from a talent perspective. But, hey, give Matt Nagy credit. He finds a way to win these games. It's definitely insane right now. And, and you're right. I, I think somebody's job clearly on the line like three or four times over. And to have a quarterback controversy on the verge of going 4-0 is not something that we see. All right, so let me ask you uh, one more, and then I want to end, circle back with the Eagles looking into week four. But you mentioned how bad that division is. Clearly the Cowboys are going to be able to score on everybody, but I don't think they can stop anyone. What do you make of Dallas, what they were able to do, how close it got at one point with Seattle and kind of their immediate future moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it's clearly the best team in the division. That is, by no means, it's not a terrible loss uh, against that team um, in that environment. And the fact that they're able to be in a shootout uh, against Russell Wilson, who's playing at such a high level, there are far worse teams and far worse losses. But it, it, it does come down to the fact that, they have to figure out how to stop somebody on the defensive side of the football. The good news for the Cowboys is that division again. I mean, if, if they can just figure it out as they go, and, and obviously we're not, I'm, I'm not even talking about a top 10 defense. If they can just turn into a, a middle of the road defense, well, they're going to win that division. And, and once you get into the playoffs, hopefully you're playing hot at, at at the right time of the year, and maybe you can do something. I, I think that has to be how the Cowboys approach this. All right, last one for you, John. Eagles are a six-point road favorite heading into San Francisco. We talked about both teams from the Eagles' struggles to 
who's actually healthy for the Niners. It's early right now on Monday. Where would you side on that line? Uh, that's yeah. That's that's so difficult because both teams are so banged up. I I, I mean, ultimately, just the history and, and and being around this team on a daily basis for so long, this is when the Eagles tend to to do things you don't expect them to do. I expect Doug Peterson to, and he talked about it today. He's going to go up tempo. That's what Carson Wentz does well. Uh, they scaled it back. He compared it to the end of last season. They have so many injuries. It's going to be the Greg Ward types. Uh, but they do have Miles Sanders. And I just said, you know, San Francisco is going to be coming off this high of beating a re- really bad football team with a backup quarterback. And I think the backup quarterback pumpkin is coming this week. <laughs> but that's my Monday thoughts. All right. Well, we'll get your Thursday thoughts, see if anything changes then. John, thanks, man. Enjoy the week. All right, thanks, Aton. John McMullen at JF McMullen, our NFL insider on the Progressive Guest Line. We wrap the hour next on the second level. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Uh, is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that we should hit on? We touched on all four sports. Uh, technically, we didn't touch on Major League Baseball because I don't want to talk about my team about to see the best catcher in baseball walk. And I don't know. I, as little as we've been involved in the Stanley Cup Finals, I, I can't imagine that I'd be more involved in Major League Baseball's small little perverted playoffs here. Perversion but of you the will playoffs. Be. No, I won't be. You I will, will be. You will be. You will be. I, I will bet you money. No, you won't. I would put a camera up, all right? I'll pay for somebody to follow me with a camera. Like Big Brother. I'll put cameras up everywhere well, in my house. Now you know you're not going to tune in. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know for a fact I wouldn't tune in. Yeah, but I mean, if you have someone following, then you're purposely going to go out of your way not to do that. Well, it's just to confirm. You might if, just if fall into it. It's a random Thursday. There's nothing, or not a Thursday. Let's go Tuesday. A random Tuesday, no games on. You mean to tell me you're like, ah, not going to watch baseball? I'd rather watch a presidential debate than baseball. Well, you might get those two. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe. Honestly, there are about 50 other things I'd rather watch. Then uh, I just I don't have any interest in the postseason with baseball because it's be, it's so regionalized and the storylines are so local to each team, which is not a bad thing. It just I, I don't get in there. The Stanley Cup final I'll watch. Okay, admittedly I'll try and watch some tonight. But come on, how much? Like what are we supposed to do tonight? What are you supposed to do? Not watch Monday Night Football? You've got the two best teams in the NFL going at it. You've got two of the best quarterbacks going at it as well. You've got the defending champions going up against the team that everybody has pegged as the only team that can knock them off. No, you you better be watching Monday Night Football tonight. Seriously. There's literally nothing else on TV tonight. I would feel guilty watching anything else besides the NFL tonight. Yeah, as well guilty. you should. That's not even because I have a couple of bets. You have to pound the over, right? Pound that over tonight. Yeah, 55 and a half. A lot of points to be scored, Culver. I know, but this is one of those games where they that doesn't happen. 
Phil, can I ask you a question? Fake news with Ron. With all the fake news out there. Don't believe those lies. It's on Shander to give it to you straight. Three stories, but only one is fake. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. Can Shander spot the fraud? Here's Ron Culver. All right, Aton, you said it earlier. But now we bring on the former undisputed fake news hap-getter, haver, what are we calling it? Expert. Expert. He's already lost his title after but one. But you know what? He'll gain it back this week. And then Doug he'll, Peterson not he'll even under a... as much scrutiny as John McMullen. Ooh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see how he does. I think there's plenty of scrutiny. Like not as not, there'll never be more scrutiny. Well, than John. To be fair, John's getting. part of the scrutiny when it comes to Doug. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> he yeah. has to recuse now, himself. Did he? So I'm kind of. I'm. I'm kind of like Doug now with all this scrutiny. Now I'm starting to. I'm now starting you know to think about things. Right. Leave the guy yeah. alone, will you? Well, now that's you know why. I mean, exactly. you know, we'll, you'll get that. You'll gain that perspective <laughs> and have a better understanding of Eagles fan and uh, coaching staff. Now, John, did you also believe that Doug Peterson uh, didn't know that the uh, games could end in a tie? No. According to Aton? Aton <laughs> yeah, got some people on that. Just wanted to make sure, right? Got a got a clear <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, how, who got that? Like, I, how is somebody a fan of this football team for more than twelve years or at all? Like, I, I don't know that that in its own. Was was really difficult. I will always love you. Will always Thank you. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, story number one: the artist who created Comedian, that art piece that it was a banana duct taped to a wall, has made nearly five hundred thousand dollars off doing three of those art pieces. Now, I randomly so, saw a tweet that said, "I think Barstool had it," that it was sold to the Guggenheim. No, it was lent to the Guggenheim. Lent to the Guggenheim. Yeah. One of the guys who bought it paid like a hundred and some odd thousand dollars for it and then ate the banana. So what are we saying now? The guy who did the banana on the wall is the, the artist. The artist who created that art piece. <laughs> I'm gonna call him a guy, but has, go ahead. has made nearly five hundred thousand uh, dollars off of three of those artworks. And I, I'm doing quotation marks, if you will. Art pieces. Well, I know he, I know he made uh, some ridiculous amount of the but over the banana. But so we're saying on top of that, three other ones. Is that what we're saying? Off yeah. um, um, three of them, he has made nearly yes five hundred thousand dollars. He's at forty nine. Yeah, yeah. All right. God bless him. I guess. Story number two. Yeah. We all know limited fans are allowed in the stadium, but one team, the Denver Broncos, found a way to get the entire cast from a local TV show into the stadium to watch the game live. Well, well that one I know is true. Okay, so that one story I know is one. completely true. Uh, look at this. We know story one, at least I, I saw the tweet, and now you know story two is true. So that would lead me to believe that no matter what comes out of Ron's mouth for story three, that would be fake, right? Yeah. So we know. Uh, story, I, I don't know. We know story I, I, two is true. That's what yeah, John South said. Park was there. South the entire town of South Park was there in cardboard cutout form. <laughs> ah, see. Now I saw last yesterday on the Eagles game, which the, is awesome, by the way. Yeah, it is. 
Well, yeah, and isn't this ahead of the premiere? Don't they have like a full hour premiere coming up? Uh, don't they always? I believe, yeah. Wednesday. Oh, I think they do every premiere. every week. Look at that. John McMullen is on the yes. moment in which South Park premieres this wow. season. I yeah, I'm a big South Park guy. Look at that! So you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna throw that fastball by me. <laughs> Ron Scherzel tried. I tried. <laughs> That's right. why I wasn't mentioning the name. I was at a local TV show, and he picked up on it right away. That's great. Jumped all over it. Story number three: John Gruden decided to wear women's underwear for a face mask this past weekend as a silent protest <laughs> to the NFL's mask policy. That can't be true. That can't be true. Come on. Have you uh, seen the photos? Yeah, that would have to be, I mean, if that were true, that would be viral upon viral. Are you kidding me? You should see the photos. Okay, but. Well, it might look like woman's underwear. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Uh, I, right? Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, the fact that it, it has it been confirmed, I guess the question is, has it been confirmed that it's women's underwear? And what type? I mean, there are multiple. John Gruden would do that, right? It, yeah, it could be I a can't imagine. Bottom. It could be a thong. It could be the you know like the granny panties. It could be a big thing. Whatever. And, yeah, in today's world, that would be such a a faux pas. I mean, they would be calling to cancel John Gruden. <laughs> that's saying true. that's sexist. I can't imagine. Even if he wore like he a little lazy number. Yeah, see, I could see that. I could see him wearing something that has been misinterpreted or used to make yeah. fun of him. But I can't yeah. see John Gruden being the catalyst and behind I can this. See, I, can, I can also see Frank Caliendo making a bit out of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's to come later. <laughs> that is true. So I, I'm All gonna, right, so I, what I, story is that? Is it the I, comedian, I, the live TV show, or John Gruden's face mask? Uh, Protest. It's got to be. Unless be. you've uh, altered story one. No, 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 no. Of course. Detail. Of course it's John Gruden, but I, I implore both of you guys to look. Uh, just you can Google some images, John Gruden face mask. And it's not that it look. It does look like he's wearing uh, a woman's thong. It, it, yes, but it also because looks like. his mat. I don't know how this happens or why he did it this way. Instead of pulling it down, it's kind of off to the side. It's very bizarre. It's like it's almost. No, we are, yeah. It looks I, like I was gonna make I, I was gonna make a joke, but then I'll get in trouble. Yeah. So well, here's what it looks like to me. Remember when you were in like eighth grade and it was cool to go out and like cut your sleeves off of, of t-shirts and you can you know this is back when you couldn't buy sleeveless tees now that right. that's all the rave. Yeah. And you would buy it and then some every now and again somebody would use the cut off sleeve as like a headband. And it would just look awful because it wasn't cut on uh, on like a level, and it was just all just all over the but place. But it doesn't matter if you got two tickets to the gun show, Aton. It doesn't matter. Well, what, yeah, I don't know what ticket John like. Gruden has with this thing, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, it didn't matter at that point if if you had ridges and it was all over the place, like an uneven cut. This looks like somebody unevenly cut off sleeves. And he had to wear it like a mask. <laughs> well, I think I think Ron felt bad that he, he ended my streak and he gave me a gave me an easy sharp single left. No, actually, I just did just that so we, so we can talk about John Gruden uh, John Gruden's face mask issues because he might get fined again for wearing half a mask on his face. He should be fined for wearing a sleeve on his face. It was didn't even look. 
In it some photos, more like a sleeve than a thong. In some photos, in some angles, it does look like an eye patch. This is terrible. All right, I have a question for John regarding these masks coming up. We'll also talk about the big day that was week three in the National Football League.